0: I remember the first time I asked the question, I was a teenager or maybe a preteen, I'm not sure. It was a summer day, getting toward night. In fact, it was beginning darker and darker as the storm clouds came in. And then I, I sat on the bed, the window was open, protected from the rain that would come, and it came in sheets, it came in sheets. One of those thunderstorms that came rapidly and was over rapidly the lightning crackled all around us the chickens were so frightened they just went into our garage instead of the hen house the thunder boomed and i sat there and asked for the first time i guess what is what what is this what, what is life what what is the meaning of this what, who? What? Who am I? I'm not sure. I put them in that kind of phraseology. But the first time I really began to be aware of the mystery of life and my place in it, try to figure out: Does this world make any sense? What is the meaning of life? I know I didn't ask that question as a preteener, but that's what I was struggling with. It's the same question you ask in philosophy 101 or in a graduate course of philosophy because it is a question that man has asked since the beginning of time. Does life make any sense? What is the meaning of life? Just about the time in life when we think we've got it. (laughs) You know, something happens and... We are thrust back again into a thunderstorm, and we are asking a question: What is what? what what's, as a teenager, I guess we ask it probably for the first time. Again, we may not articulate it, but we're trying to struggle with: What is our place in the world? Who are these people called my parents, who I thought knew everything, and now I realize they don't know anything; they don't even have a clue. Hmm? And then you fall in love for the first time, and you, your heart's just going pit a pat, pit a pat, and and you're trying to figure out whether you want to commit yourself to this person or not, whether you're willing to sacrifice for this person whom you just sort of know and don't know. What is life about? You go to college or you get out on your own. You ask yourself, Can I trust what this professor just told me? This psych professor, this history professor? This physics professor, they, they say some strange things. And these, these discussions that I have in the dorm, these people have strange ideas, different ideas, conflicting ideas. Their values are different from what I've been raised with. What, what, what is the meaning of life? And then there's a time when maybe you have a baby, a child, and you hold that wiggling little thing in your hands and you think, what in the world? or maybe someone close to you dies. Or something traumatic happens in your life, a divorce, a job loss, a failure, health issues. And you ask the question, what is is this? Why does this happen? Does life make any sense? Then as you get old like I am, you're retired, and you ask the question, I'm not as productive as I used to be I'm not the person I used to be what is what am I supposed to do what, what is the meaning of life so that it is a question that we ask from the very beginning I guess from the time we been really conscious and self conscious and all the way to the end of life we ask the question what, what, is, the, what is the meaning of life Paul faced that as I indicated earlier in the early church, thought everything was going to be hunky-dory, a bed of roses. But life wasn't a bed of roses. Life turned out to have a lot of thorns. And people were dying, and they thought, well, they were going to be lifted up into heaven, not die, but just go to heaven. And people were having disease, and there were all kinds of dysfunctional things happening in the family and in the church. And people shook their head and said, this doesn't make any sense And so the question is constantly, does this make sense or not? And Paul, with one big shout, said, life makes sense. I am persuaded that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. I am persuaded that in spite of persecution and death and sickness and foolishness that occurs in this world, that ultimately God is in control of human history. But that's not always been the answer. I mean, people throughout history have asked that question and come back with the answer, life doesn't make sense. I mean, the the early Greeks said what? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. They said life is just a charade. I think there was a song about that one time. That God is just playing a big joke on us. Or others said that life is a tragedy. That it's filled with sorrow and tears and bitterness. There is that myth that was created of Sisyphus who was condemned to take a huge stone and roll it up the hill. And just about the time he got to the top, it would slip out of his grasp and roll back and he'd have to repeat the process for all eternity, this frustrating, eternal meaninglessness of life. In fact, in recent years, what we call the existentialists wrote books about the meaningless of life. We call it nihilism, nothingness. People like Sartre and Camus wrote books that talked about the barrenness of life. One wrote a book called No Exit. You're in a room with no exit. You never get out. You're boxed in. Well, how sad these people were. They wrote plays about waiting for God or waiting for something, waiting for hope, waiting for promise, and never being there. These comedic figures that never quite mated, always sort of unhappy, always hoping but being crushed with disappointment. And I know that there are probably times in your life and in my life when we wonder too, to be honest. And there are probably times in your life when life has just been boring and mediocre and mundane. And uh, uh, you get up and you eat. You brush your teeth. You get dressed. You go to work. You come home. You eat. You brush your teeth. You go to bed. You get up. You brush your teeth. You eat. You go to work. Huh? And you think, what's this? Is this? What's this? Does life have any meaning? The only thing exciting happening in your life is watching a fly try to get out of the window pane. <laughs> and you come back the next day and it's and it's dead sitting on the window pane. <clears throat> Does life have any meaning? Or another time it might happen. This kind of questioning might happen to your life is when when uh, you're like a bowling ball and gets you know you. you It runs down the alley and it just knocks the pins right out of from under you. You think everything's going right and you go into work and the boss talks about layoffs. And he hands you the pink slip. Or you go home and your spouse tearfully says, I found another. Or the doctor calls and says, about that test we took. Or a child disappoints you. But at some point in life, hits you hard, and it doesn't make sense anymore. It just doesn't make sense anymore. I'm sure you've had those times. When it was boredom or because of trauma in your life, when life just got jumbled up. Jumbled up. and You weren't sure if it had any meaning left in it or not. You see, people over the years have said life is filled with nonsense. The communists said that. They said it's illusion that religion is just an opiate of the people to sort of dull your pain It promises you something that it will never deliver. But Paul says, Paul says, yet in spite of all of those cynics and all those people who have dark, brooding kinds of answers to that question, I want to tell you something, folks, he says... God is in control of human history and destiny and he has a purpose and meaning for your life. He wrote, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Or another translation says, we know that those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits his plan for good. The believer intuitively knows this. Those of us who have encountered Christ, the living Christ, have seen the face of God. And we know that it's good. And that God has our best interest at heart. We have felt his hand on our shoulder. We have seen his finger point out the right direction. We have felt the Holy Spirit empower us to do that which he calls us to do. And we say with Paul, for I know that I have whom I have believed and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. We're not naive enough to think that that we're not going to have the blues sometimes. We're not naive so that we don't we don't think that everything's gonna to, gonna to work out just the way we want it to. Or that we're going to understand it all. We're not that naive. But we are of the mindset that life has meaning and faith. We believe that God has our best interests at heart. And he is powerful enough to work out purpose and meaning in our life. Life makes sense to the believer. Chardon, the priest, archaeologist, Frenchman wrote a series of books in theology that's called Process or Theology. And he talks about the omega point. He says that God has this goal, this omega point, and all of human history and all of human experience is pushed toward that. And everything that occurs in our life, whether we recognize it or not, is pushed toward this time when God has some ultimate redemptive purpose for life, in general, and for our life particularly. When Bob and I were in Morocco, we were intrigued with the beauty of the mosque of that country. Of course, the mosque, by them when they're separated, particularly on a large plaza, they are so beautiful with the soaring minarets and the domes that they have, and the pale colors and the subtle designs that they you see from a distance. You they're just gorgeous, they really are. You know, they're often made with ceramic, small ceramic tiles, teeny little big as your little fingernail. Uh, you know, millions of them put together to form a design. Now, Islamic faith teaches that uh, you can't use uh, uh, pictures for in any of their religious literature or in their churches because that to them is uh, idolatry. And so they have perfected this sweeping forms beautiful forms and and motifs look at their calligraphy and you just see the swooping beautiful flowing way that they write it is a gorgeous thing and it's done well in their uh, mosque and you can see those things from a half mile away and just see the symmetry and the beauty of it but as you approach it you see you begin to see designs Subtle designs and shades and colors and swoops and swerves. And then as you get even closer, you begin to see that, yes, there's texture. And then you get real close to it and you see these little tiles meticulously put in place. And you wonder, when some guy was building this thing and they handed him a handful of little blue tiles and said to him, put these blue tiles on this line. And another fellow, they handed green tiles and said, put these green tiles on this line. And tan tiles on this line. And these, as you were on this line, these scarlet ones like this. Those fellows did what they said they were going to do, but it made no design sense to them at all. But later, when it was all completed, and they were able to step back and see the beauty of its design. Gorgeous, intricate design that they never dreamed they were a part of. But someone, before they handed them the stones, knew what it would look like in the end. Do you think an ant walking across a beautiful uh, picture, for instance, the Mona Lisa, or a quilt maybe would be better? Do you think that ant? can appreciate the design of that quilt. It sees a stitch here, a color here, a square here perhaps. But only as one gets back at a distance can you see the complete design and beauty and texture of that quilt or of that Mona Lisa. In the same way, God looks at human history. And you and I are often bewildered and befuddled by what occurs in our life. We're handed one little tile and told to put it here, and it makes no sense to us. But we know that life makes sense because it makes sense to God. Life makes sense because it makes sense to God. And as long as we are part of God's plan and God's purposes, it will make sense to us in the long run. There's an old hymn that I used to think was the tackiest thing. It was just simple hymn, a simple tune for simple people. And I really thought it was uh, devoid of any meaning. But the older I get, the more I learn about the complexity of life and faith, the more I've come to appreciate it. It's the old hymn, by and by. The the stanza goes this. By and by when the morning comes. I'm not going to sing this, I promise. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. I picked out a couple couple phrases. These meant something to me. Trials dark on every hand and we cannot understand all the ways that God can lead us to this blessed promised land. But he guides us with his eyes. And we'll follow till we die, for we'll understand it better by and by. And another one: temptations, hidden snares, often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word or deed. And he wonders why, the, and we wonder why the test when we try to do our best. But we'll understand it better by and by, by and by. When the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Paul was a believer, but he underwent shipwreck, floggings, beatings, jailings, and ultimately tradition tells us he was beheaded for his faith. And yet he could write, I am persuaded, I am persuaded, I am convinced that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. And I don't know about you, but life makes sense to me because I have committed myself to the God who has my best interest at heart. Deep down, despite what happens to me in those dark moments of my life, in those cynical moments in my life, I know that God loves, cares for me, and is making something out of my life, even when I don't understand it. I hope you have that faith, too. Shall we pray? Our Father, forgive us when we don't believe, and help us that we might believe more completely. Understand, our Father, the limits of our reason. Cast your eye away and know that there are times when we don't understand, when we can't understand. But we commit ourselves to you, knowing full well that you do understand and that you do know that which we cannot know. We're committed, our Father to Jesus Christ, and know how much he loves us. And because of that, we are convinced that you love us as well. In his name we offer our prayer. Amen.